Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design development. I'm Dave Rupert with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Boy, it has been. We are, we are launch, catapulting our, our way into summer uh, 2022 here. It's good. It's heating up in Austin, Texas. I'm sure Bend is just perfect weather. So there you go. Yeah, it's been cold, but, you know, doable. Cold. It's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's all good. Feel pretty good for the most part. Did you see this? You know, we we have friends at. Mm, I have some. I mean. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Let's call them acquaintances. We have a bunch of people that we know who ended up at over at, I don't know what you call the parent. Catchpoint is the parent company who make, who bought, I think, web page test from mm-hmm. kind of a solo entrepreneur guy. I forgot his name. Uh, but it was like such a, you know, this such an important tool in the world of of, of performance testing, but it like didn't have any, it didn't have a, it didn't have a business model. I don't think it was just like, here's this expensive thing. And I think there was some fables like, you know, he ran the thing with, you know, out of his basement or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He had like uh, Patrick Meenan, I think was the guy. Uh, and you had to email him for an API key. I do remember that. Uh, I have emailed him before. Right. Um, but it was like, uh, yeah, it was like he was running. He had phones in his mom's basement, you know, <laughs> like in, in North Carolina that you could connect to or something, you know. Uh, but he kind of built these device labs. I think they were actual device labs that you would like then, you know, queue up to run your tests on. So, um, but but that didn't really scale. So I think they joined forces with Catchpoint here and they've been um, like a long time later. You know, yeah. like a decade later or something. Yeah, I think Catchpoint saw, hey, this is a, you know, and acquisitions happen all the time. I'm aware of it. So sometimes you do it just for like goodwill or, you know, capturing some customers or, you know, like who knows how many email addresses webpage test had. You know, maybe you can convert some of them to some other kind of paid product or something. Who I don't know what the details of the acquisition were, but they saw something, bought it. And then you're like, okay, interesting. Now what's going to happen with like what's webpage test plus money? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It turns out they were able to redesign it, which is kind of like a dream redesign project. I remember, um, you know, c- kind of like Google Fonts. You know, it's, it's like this incredibly important product that just sucked <laughs> to use, and then somebody got right. to redesign it and came out. Uh, same kind of thing here. You know, web page tests used to just be a. <laughs> Very bad, let's say, from a visual design Rough. perspective. Yeah, a little yeah. few Web 1 flavors in there. Um, it, it was, you know, it, it hurt, but it was it did its job. I think that's the testament to it is like you click the test my website button and it, it gave you a good test, like very thorough results. Yeah, exactly. And, so I, w- I wouldn't say that the design was bad because design is allowing people to get done the task they need to get done, and it did that, right? right so just right. from an aesthetic thing, and probably some UX fails in there. I don't know. But so the, it got the redesign. So congratulations, team over there. Got the redesign out looking a lot better, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there's momentum, you know? Once you've, once you've shipped it, you know, now you can continue shipping and iterating and stuff. I'm sure that feels really good. But I just wanted to shout out to them because they had a big release just yesterday as we record. It'll be maybe a week old as you're hearing this, is that they released this thing called Opportunities and Experiments. And it looked like you were pretty excited about it, too. I know internally they were just like over the moon about this kind of thing. But it really does change the ball game of performance testing a little bit. 
in that you can run a test and then it will like, first of all, it'll give you actual advice. It won't just say like point at something and be like, that's bad. It gives you this opportunity to be like, well, but what would it be like if you fixed it? And so yeah. that's kind of huge. I think. Yeah. It starts off, I think, with like three questions. Like, is it quick? Yes or no. Needs mm. improvement. Is it usable? Yes, no. Needs improvement. And is it resilient? Like, you know, if if something goes down, what would it still stay up, you know? Um, and yeah. And, and so now you can like go in. This is under their pro plan. So it costs money a month. I think it's well, like $180. Um which sounds, you know, if I'm candid, it sounds like a lot. But then if I'm like thinking about, or I know how much performance can mean in actual dollars and sales, it does not sound like a lot <laughs> to have, like for, for the company to have a really good monitoring on that, you know? Um, but, but the cool thing is it'll tell you your problems and they'll say like, you want to just try to fix this problem? And I asked Scott how it worked, the uh, Scott Gel uh, mm-hmm. performance. Uh, what, what would you call it? performance guru, Scott Gel? Um, Certainly cares a lot about performance, but he's but he cares a lot about the web period, you know. Yeah, but you know, I was like, how how is this just like running like edge workers like, and it's like reformatting your page, like it's like yoinking your style tags up to the head, and and that's is that solving it? And he was like, basically, yeah, that's like what it's doing, you know, and and it like goes and it grabs all your stuff and it like makes the re- transformations and then tests it with makes the, transformations the transformations in place, and then right? Test that through after the workers processed it, and I'm just like, that's so cool because. My right now to test a performance fix, right? You have to run some baseline tests. You have to make the fix. You have to redo your build webpack, you know, to to shimmy the service worker in the right place and you have the right workbox, blah, blah, blah. And then you like go through, you know, you're doing you do all this build stuff and then you deploy it and then you need to get it on preview branch and then you need to make sure that preview branch is running the same dang hardware as the uh, production branch. Then and then you can run the performance test and see if it made a difference. Uh, That's hard to do. And, And but I think like seeing this like happen on the edge, no code, you just click a button boom you're building differently <laughs> like that's that's great that's yeah, a lot so- of work just to run a thing that's like although usually it's like if you're going to do performance work it's not total guesswork like chances it's- are that's going to land in master because you're doing something that obviously makes your website faster but right okay. right like you've you've figured out or you have the right recommendations to do it but you know it's just you know i mean stuff like you know, it's like, how fast would this run? I don't, I don't know if this is one that they have, but like, how fast would this run if I was actually using AVIF? If I had like an AVIF WebP JPEG PNG right. image process, how fast would it be? You know, and it's like, maybe they can just show you like this. And I'll is- just tell you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So it know you know if the work is worth it or not. For example, I was looking at the results of a thing, and I was like, there's 15 render blocking scripts. Wow, you know, that's a good amount. Yeah. Of, it seems so bad. 
And it, you know, it's not great, but then it runs the test and it's like, okay, first render on, on slow 3G mobile, it was like 4.5 seconds or 5 seconds or something. And then let's say you, all 15 scripts you made not render blocking, then it was like 4.2 seconds or something. This mm-hmm. was like, eh, you know. <laughs> Like, it wasn't that bad. So it can teach you both ways. You know, it can show you, okay, this is really worth the work. And in this case, it probably was because I think the way that it was making them non-render blocking was to put the defer attribute on it. So that's what you're talking about as a worker, right? So it grabs the HTML, finds those 15 scripts, chucks the defer attribute on it, then runs the test on that HTML. And it, you know, yeah. it made a difference, but it, t- to me, it wasn't like, eh, you know, I'm going to run some different tests, actually, see if I can find something a little juicier than that. Yeah, but, you know, there is sometimes you put defer on the wrong one and suddenly your app doesn't load <laughs> until, like, way super late. Yeah. So, like, so you have to, but, but like, test that too, make sure it comes up and the features are still there. I think of like critical CSS, right? Like, this is critical CSS is one of the big, Biggest bangs for your buck, right? Like it's you first payload, you get a paint, right? Like yeah. it says, I have CSS, I can paint the page. Like so, it's it's a very huge improvement in in page speed and performance, but it's a lot of effort to do it. Get up and running for per template, per page, per everything. It's a lot of work to get up and do. But if I could click a button and see like. I'm going to shave 10 seconds off my page load if I just do critical CSS. Well, boy, howdy. I'm like, you know, that's cool. And and even just like, let's click all the buttons. Let's just, let's like eat it. Click all the buttons. What if we did all this performance work? How fast would the page be? Like, right. like, and then from there you have like your milliseconds. And I think it's like, wasn't there like an Amazon quote? Like every hundred milliseconds is 1% of revenue, you know? So, yeah, you sell enough widgets, it's worth money. Yeah. So, like, you have, so 10, let's say I shaved one second off, you know, that's 10% more money. If I saved, shave 10 seconds off, that's that's 100% more money. You know, like, maybe that's where, that's where you should put your money credits. So, your, your development credits, maybe that's the biggest way. You don't have to actually build a new feature, you just have to fix how you load your website, you know? So. Mm. Juicy. I like that we can test it way more, way faster because it, it changes your brain a little bit because you can, you can, if you're in the mood to do some performance work and you need to for some reason, you're like, oh, I'm going to use that because then I can just, I can test a bunch of stuff and just see oh. what's worth it and what's not and stuff. Really clever product thing. It does, it's not, I, I, it may be the first of its kind in some respects, but I do think of dev tools allows you to persist changes between loads t- to some degree, right? Like you can do little baby mm-hmm. versions of this right within dev tools, but it's probably not giving you the full massive output that, nor could you probably run Lighthouse on your persisted changes. So you don't even get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can get stuff like, I don't know, how, how many resources are being loaded and what's the total size of stuff. And and Lighthouse gives you recommendations that I think this kind of gets, but it can, like, perform those recommendations, which is just cool. Like, it's like, hey, you have a lot of – you have 15 CSS tags, and that's really bad. <laughs> like, that – like – link rel it blocks the blocks the page from loading so please don't you know or add the preload or add you know 
the late what's the new lazy loading syntax like yeah maybe you could add some of those you know oh there is one isn't it i mean there's loading lazy but isn't there some new one too link rel preload as style or something like that and so it'll like it'll preload it and then convert it into a style tag when it works i don't know what the browser support is for that but i i'm into it i like it but i don't know it I think I tried to use it and I just ended up doing the like the the like on error this dot rel equals, you know, or like on success or whatever on load. So and then then you flip it, you know, the old Scott Gel trick. So yeah. Speaking of Scott Gel, huh? This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by another podcast. Another podcast that just so happens to be even a little bit older than Shop Talk Show. And we've been here for 10 years. For over a dozen years, the Stack Overflow podcast has been exploring what it means to be a developer and how the art and practice of software programming is changing our world. From COBOL to containers, from Rails to React, the Stack Overflow podcast is the best place to learn what's happening in the world of software development. Each week, you'll hear from working developers and leaders from top technology companies hosted by Ben Popper, Cassidy Williams, Matt Kiernander, and Siora Ford. The Stack Overflow podcast is your home for all things code. New episodes twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for the support. Um, you mentioned that critical CSS being a bang for your buck, which is l- literally true. It's a lot of bucks, though. <laughs> a lot of bang, a lot of bucks. So. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends, right? Like, if do you have some really clear tooling that allows it? Um, maybe, you know? Like, I, mm-hmm. if you're on a WordPress site, you can try Jetpack Boost, and you click a button, and it does a bunch of analysis and does critical CSS for you. So the bucks there are not very many bucks. There's some caveats, but whatever. If you're just doing it absolutely from scratch on who knows what stack, it's probably going to be a little bit hard. But I was watching a video. This came out March 3rd. It's um, Ada, you know, from Samsung Internet. Jake oh, yeah. from Google. Yeah. They did a they did one of those HTTP 203 YouTube shows that mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all jealous of. Man, they got a they're budget, really, huh? Jeez. They got a budget, and they're... Um... <laughs> They, uh, they're really funny. The, the <laughs> spoiler, Surma's not on this season. <laughs> so the, the very first video where, where they confront the fact that Surma's no longer on the season mm. is the best cinematic. No, maybe the second best. Netlify just had a good video, but it's the, uh, one of the best cinematic moments in web dev history. So I think I missed that one, but in this video, they have a little picture of him on the shelf. It looks like oh, a, there, there's a, uh, uh, Jake, Jake, Jake's a real doll, uh, with Sermon's face clued on it. Makes, <laughs> it makes an appearance. Yeah. Where'd Sermon uh, go? It just to some startup or something, right? I think or so, Shopify yeah. or something. Not oh, that that's yeah, a startup a anymore. Shopify. A lot of Googlers just left for Shopify. So. Why? Mm, Shopify must be doing something big. Some bucks mm. or is it some secret thing? I don't know. Um, Dion Almer went there. so And then I think a lot of people followed him. So 
Mm-hmm. Well, they are going to do that thing that like kind of that just like pay with Shopify, even if you're not buying anything from a Shopify store. Isn't that part of their new world a little bit? Kind of like, I don't know, Apple Pay, but Shopify Pay or something. Maybe they already have that. Yeah, they do have like, a, I think it's just, is it Shopify Pay or Shopify Shop, anyway, Shop Pay? Um, but they have something like that. Um, they have, uh, they just re- in, released a new like React thing called Hydrogen. Did you hear about that? Um, no. It's like a whole like UI library for integrating into a Shopify site. So it's almost like create React app, but it's like create Shopify app uh, is what I call it. But it has all the components you need, like product grids oh. and stuff like that. So and you can style them and and whatever. But it's kind of like takes all the headache away from building a custom Shopify app. And so you don't, and I think they're even doing like server components now too. Like I just read that this morning. Wow. Um, like they'll do server rendered components in the hydrogen app. Um, and the, this is all kind of hearsay, but um, I think it's just really cool. It's kind of like, cause right now, like the way to make a Shopify theme or a Shopify site is to kind of hack in and use the liquid stuff. Right. So that that's, you know, we probably could probably has. have a Shopify person on because they're so big that it's probably worth understanding a little bit more. But I do think you have that right. I mean, the, your average person, oh, I want to sell something online. What's the way to do it? And you'll for sure get advice to check out Shopify. And I don't think that's incorrect advice. They make great software for selling stuff online, right? So you sign up, you probably get a subdomain or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you can probably hook it up to a domain pretty easily. And then there's like a CMS, right? You say, oh, here's my mug. I sell mugs that say butts on it. And you just pop those up for sale. And then it does everything for you. You know, it gives you the URLs and the the cart and the checkout process and the whatever else. I don't even think you really need Stripe, right? Because they're like their own internal Stripe or something. It, it does like a payment processing, yeah. So they do it. That's a lot. I don't know if they're keeping inventory for you and shipping for you, but they probably have solutions for that. If not, they are doing it too. So, wow, what a what a lot. But then on the on the on the flip side of that coin, they're like, oh, but if you just want to throw up a Hugo site, go ahead, still use our APIs and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're happy to be like the APIs that power your store. That's that doesn't use any of the other stuff Shopify offers, right? Like you can build a website however the hell you want to. You, you can build a yeah, you can build a totally custom deal, but they kind of, you know, the first party thing is like use the like their templates the, and whatnot. Their templates in their, you know, like like kind of like old WordPress style. You're in editing for and sure. They have some tools to like ferry up. You work locally and shoot them up. You know. Yeah. Oh, another layer behind just use a template is to like FTP in or whatever and dink around with templates and customize the store. Right. There, I'm sure there's tons mm-hmm. of developers who do that. But another layer even deeper than that is not to use their liquid templates at all, right? Like no, if you're using you, this no. hydrogen thing, you're not you're not in liquid land. You're doing something totally else. No, you've basically ejected, but you're using their library to kind of build your stuff. So Yeah. And you don't even have to use this if you don't want. I'm sure you could just use other APIs too. So there's so many entry points. I think it solves a lot of problems. Like we we have a client on Shopify right now and um 
they we actually uh, brought in Brenda Store to ha- kind of help out with it, just because she's like making Shopify themes and stuff like that. Uh, she knows what she's doing, and so we're like, we want somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, um, sure. And she, so like one one thing the client has requested and they really want is connecting to Facebook Marketplace and. Uh, Instagram, like there's like a Facebook agreement between Shopify and, and stuff. So like you can't sell products on Instagram, right? Like I can't sell my new book or, or my, my new front end master's course. Hey, it's out. Um, why you can't, what well, you can like, post a I can, thing that says I go buy post it about it that says, go check, go click the link in my bio to go then click a link to go to, you know, I can do that, but I can, but you don't get a pay button, like a, a checkout now. Yeah, button. the real buy button things. But yeah. Shopify has an integration that allows that. So you can like, oh, um, Shopify juicy. will let you like click buy from Facebook or from Instagram. So, Which is a pretty, reason to use it just right there. Like if that's what you want, you do it. It's kind of like back in the day, you'd use CD Baby because it got your CD and on Spotify and then Apple Music and stuff. You just, you got to use the third party that gets it where you want to get it. Right. If if somebody can like become a distribution channel, like let's do it, you know, and, and now, but now you do. Now you've sold a piece of your company to them, you know, in, in a way, because you're like, you know, you're paying them a percentage and a, and a transaction fee, right? Um, yeah. You're paying them a percentage of every transaction. And, but, you know, you have to look at your sales. Like, are you selling enough through Facebook that you don't want to do stop doing that? Or, you mm. know, are you making enough that all the transaction fees are like way too much and you could actually hire a development team to build a Magento or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, like, then definitely do that. So, or like product customization, right? Like, um, you know, I have a friend, uh, my friend John runs Uplift Desk, um, you know, and, and a desk is like maybe something that has just enough customization that you don't want to do Shopify or, or, oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because you can add like whatever cup holders and attachments and blah, blah, you know. So, do you know what you know, they I, use? I, I think they, it's a homegrown thing. So, or maybe mm. it's like based on some kind of e com platform, but with like a custom builder. It's funny that you almost pay the most technical debt the less power you have as a seller like if you really did sell coffee mugs that you were really really proud of well it's such a it's such a silly little thing that you probably have a shopify store i mean this this space coffee mug from laser wolf attack yeah (laughs) Uh, that's that's a good coffee mug but you're like i want to sell these mugs my goal in life is to sell as many space mugs as i possibly can maybe you're on etsy too and maybe you're mm-hmm. like trying to sell them on instagram maybe you find some way to do that maybe you're maybe shopify lets you but maybe you can't figure it out so you're just doing the link in bio thing and maybe you have like a wordpress site with 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 woocommerce on it or something too cuz because all you want to do is be is in every channel you can be in Right, you're trying to get SEO, but you're trying to be on different platforms and stuff, which is technical debt wise nuts. But that's that. But then once you're big enough, you know, you have your one channel and people just come to you. You're not even losing sales sales because you're not on one channel because people want your thing so bad they're just going to buy it wherever they buy it. Right. It depends on what product you are. You 
do you sell one coffee mug or do you sell, do you only sell them in pallets of 3000, you know, <laughs> for, for the corporate office, you know, or whatever, like probably how you, how the quantities in which you sell depends on how you, whatever, either market or, or your, your e-commerce channel too. So, you know, I think, you know, if you're direct to consumer, it's different than direct to or B to B or whatever B to E. So somebody should write that blog post, though. It's probably Spotify themselves. How many different ways can you build a Shopify store, and what are the trade-offs? Maybe I'm sure that already exists somewhere, but I would like to understand <laughs> how, that a little better. How to build a Shopify like a big flow chart, like. Use this. No. Yes. No. Use this. Yeah. Like, what are the steps up the ladder of of complexity, and why would you take that step up if you want to? But here's the thing: I got to circle back to freaking okay. Jake and HTTP two hundred three. Jake and Ada did a show called "Is CSS a Bad Idea," which is obviously the most clickbait thing ever. That's required watching. If you, you know, if anybody else did it, I would just roll my eyes and not watch it. But because it's a freaking HTTP two hundred three, of course you watch it, and it's super well done and of course it's not you know in the first two minutes of the video is like read that title again it's is dot css a bad idea meaning Mm our style sheets that are dots like can you inline all of your styles and he's talking about inline like a style block not like tailwind that's a different you know consideration or whatever Mm -hmm. it could because even tailwind ultimately produces a dot css file usually so he's even questioning that. Like the idea is then fine, do that, but then take that and put it in a style tag in the head of the document so that the first packet, the first request of the website has the styling information it needs. Sort of, you know, what confuses this is do you trim it to be critical or not? They didn't super get into that, but mm-hmm. I think the assumption was that yes, you do. Yeah. Um, and you not only do that, but you serve the styles that that particular page needs. Pretty interesting. And it's so good that it beats everything. It beats beats lots of individual CSS files. It turns out the worst, the worst thing that you can do that you measured is put all your CSS into one file and serve that, which used to be very definitely the way to go, you know. Wow, that's brutal. Uh, putting CSS yeah, that's on great blast. Video. Interesting. Uh, I mean, you know what I always come down to is is your post from a million years ago about global and page level, and then like I forget what you had a third level, like one officer or like yeah, something like that. Um, I remember like, that. But it was like there's global CSS. That's what every page is going to use. That's your critical CSS. I mean, you can like be pedantic and be like no critical css is like only for the styles that are on that page but i'm just like you know what like global stuff should be critical stuff if it's everywhere if it's truly everywhere it'll be on this page and then the page level css like mm-hmm. literally just write in script tags at the top of the page you're authoring <laughs> like just do that and yeah. then or if you're authoring in component islands you know boom Right, right. CSS in your island, you know. Well, that's it. It's you have page or global page component and one off. So, yeah, and like or, whatever. Yeah, component. It's kind of weird junk drawers. <laughs> I still stand by the junk CSS. Yeah, I found so. it. I called the article one, two, or three, and I wrote it ten years ago. One, two, or three, ten years ago, and I 
still think that's maybe the best strategy there is. I mean, yeah, I mean, you maybe caveat it by maybe in line the one, <laughs> but or maybe in line all of it. I don't know. Well, it's, it's some of it too is like like ten years ago when you wrote that to do a grid system like nine sixty or or mm-hmm. some responsive version of that. I had to code all that there, all the breakpoints, blah blah blah, like all that crap's coming down. It's a hundred megs of CSS or something. Now it's two lines of CSS grid. Yeah, that's changed the game a bit too, right? You know what I mean? Like the penalty is like nothing. Yeah, and you used to like sprinkle font sizing all over the thing. And now we have like a, I don't know, just use these three or four font styles that I have pre-set up and stuff. The amount of CSS that that we could ship is lower. I think if you tested that... Across all the, you know, the internet's data, you'd probably find that we're probably shipping more CSS or at least like a similar amount. Yeah. Oh, doesn't HTTP archive have that data? I feel like they do. Um, Yeah. And the thing that's gone up in size is JavaScript and images. And HTML has stayed remarkably stable over time. And CSS has gone up but just a little bit mm-hmm. the last time I looked at that data, which was like a week ago. So not very long. Oh, there you go. If you looked at it recently. So, yeah. I was, um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, and the article was good, too. It was, one of, it was, um, it was on the Speed Curve blog. Uh, it was a super good article. They used uh, but, to show... Um, they used to put CSS in the top, but now we're demoted, man. Yeah, Tammy Everts, you know, 10 years of plate page bloat. What have we learned? Oh, this is the perfect article to go with what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. You know, because we everybody talks about the total page size. That's gone up. We know right. that, right? It's like tripled in Always. 10 years. Yeah. Always but why? Tripled. What, what tripled? Because it's not the HTML. It's the JavaScript and the images. There's more mm. of them and they're bigger. And so images are always like in a little bit of a weird category because they're not really render blocking. You know, these days mm-hmm. it has to do with stuff like largest contentful paint and stuff. So it, it does kind of matter. But I'm like, for some reason, images don't, it's a solvable problem and they don't bother me as much. They don't, they're not ruining the experience of using websites so much. But JavaScript definitely is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the charts. JavaScript's still going up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and then images is kind of plateaued actually like image bites, partly because image requests yeah, since are about 2019, down. but yeah. I, I wonder if that's just SVG and, you know, different stuff is now a little bit easier, Picture you know, style. or whatever, like SVG Perhaps, style yeah. sheets and but if stuff. You took the, and, if you took the images and you just sliced them off here, cause you're like, I don't know, whatever. They're not. They're not particularly damaging to web experience. Then, then mm-hmm. what's left? Oh, it's, it's definitely JavaScript. Yeah, and even CSS, even though it, it's essentially tripled in ten years, it's it tripled from like a pretty thin slice to still a pretty thin slice, like yeah. twenty to sixty bytes. There's kilo kilobytes. There's twenty to seventy. Yeah, eh, and it's so fast to parse and blah blah. It's fine. Yeah, the all what is it? All bytes are not created equal, so fonts are a big deal. But no, and CSS is. I shouldn't say that because CSS are some of the most important bytes because they're way up in the head. They tend to be in a link tag, and link is render blocking. So does right. it matter? Yeah, it totally does matter. And so yeah. not having to make an HTTP request at all 
because you're inlining it is pretty cool. And then trimming it is pretty cool, too. So, yeah, I mean, it matters. It's just I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But we've gone from like 54 kilobytes of JavaScript to 450 kilobytes of JavaScript. And that like factors in like broadly compression, like new forms of compression showing up. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Like, and it's still like... And the oddest thing about JavaScript is it the size of it matters, but its execution time is t- super variable and the slowest generally. And it has the power to do all kinds of other gnarly crap, you know? Like CSS generally is like, it just does what it does. It's going to style the page. There's not like certain bits of, of CSS that are going to do unknown weird damage to your website. Whereas JavaScript can have like one little for loop in it that runs a freaking ton and slows the hell down of your website. You know, what happens in JavaScript is like wholly unknown. Mm -hmm. That 500K of of JavaScript is, you know, who knows what it's all doing. Somebody on YouTube is going to call me old for saying this, but do you remember... When we used to make PNG sprite sheets, doesn't that seem like forever ago? Sprite sheets? Yeah, yeah. We were solving like PNG the... sprite sheets. We would sit down and we'd like try to like squeeze every bit of like white, you know, out of the PNGs uh, and get things as close as possible and like laser cut these basically like big PNGs to like build the website. Do you remember that? That's so oh, of course far I do. What away. was the best one? There was one that just did it kind of like it did it on a one off. You like dropped kinda, all the things in a folder and it like spit yeah, out. It was kind of fun to use. I can't oh, um, man. I can't remember anymore. Even I I remember it like viscerally because it was like, whoa, it gives you this you put a bucket of images mm-hmm. in, it gives you the sprite sheet, and it gives you all the CSS to do that sprite. Right. Like, I mean, it lasted as a concept in our brains so long that it was Sprite Cow. <laughs> that was the best. Sprite Cow. So that's good. The one. That, that we'd call them SVG sprites, which conceptually made sense, right? Because you're trying to smash a bunch of SVGs into one file, but they're probably symbols or have IDs on groups or something, and then you can reference pieces out of it. So conceptually, it accomplished the same thing as a sprite did, but the, but the it just didn't hang on because even sprite back in these days was co-opted as, you know, I'm not sure it was <laughs> the absolutely perfect word, you know? I don't know. The idea came from video games, didn't it? Like, that's how Super Mario runs is because there's yeah. a sprite of all of his little running things and it shifts the position of the thing. I guess it is. <laughs> and the cloud sprite and the hill sprite are the same one. They just color shifted the the cloud and the hill. So Yeah, pretty cool. And it was just to save HTTP requests when it came to mm-hmm. the web. It was sort of performance-based, and it really did, because we were so obsessed with, like, tracking the number of HTTP requests. And it mattered, but the way that we talk about performance has just changed. The people are l- a little bit less obsessed about the number of requests. And part of that is because, oh, well, we have HTTP2 now, and it literally just matters less. But but they, we've also just evolved our thinking. Like, it never was about the number of requests. What matters in web performance is, like, how does it feel? How long is it until people can use your your website? You know, like stuff that like has an actual impact on the usage of the website. When we were like, I bet I could get 17 down to nine. 
you were just it was just a game you know you weren't actually measuring the usage yeah the funnest game but yes it was uh it was a game but the funnest game This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Notion. Learn more and get started for free at Notion.com slash CodePen. That's Notion.com slash CodePen to help you take the first step towards an organized, happier team today. That again is Notion.com slash CodePen. I know this is Shop Talk Show and not CodePen Radio, but that's the URL we got just to keep all them clicks all consolidated for this overall sponsorship. Notion is the best. As you know, I've done videos about how we use Notion. We've talked about Notion a ton on CodePen Radio and Shop Talk Show. It's a phenomenal software product. In my opinion, really changed the game for or in kind of like invented a new category of knowledge management app, which is kind of how I think of it. But it's it's an app that's really at the core of running any kind of business, but probably mostly you know, software technology businesses, because that's where my brain is at. It helps you plan projects and have shared calendars and have shared meeting notes. And, you know, what you can do with it is really open-ended in the best possible way. Everything you make is like a database or documents and it's all nested and has good permissions levels and stuff. I know I'm speaking very abstractly here, but once you get into using it, you're going to find it very natural and comfortable to use, especially in a team setting. And it just really brings people together. And I have no doubt that it's made us a better place to work at the places that uh, uh, the businesses I've incorporated Notion into there. It's like Notion is where the work happens a lot of times, and I really love that. I also want to say one thing about how I appreciate how they get the details right at Notion as a company. For example, for a long time, anybody has this, where's the API? Where's the API? For years and years and years. Finally, they're like, here's the API. And it's super well done and it's well documented. It has good default integrations. It's just a super well done API. To the point where people were just like, um, thanks. <laughs> That's perfect, actually. Great. <laughs> you know? And then they took a bunch of time to get even a little detail about how text is selected across blocks in the document editor. Went Just underwent this great improvement of how you can select text across them. And it feels just like you're selecting text in a natural way that you'd expect in any text editor, which was different before because of the block nature of editing. A little hard to describe, but if you don't notice it, well... That's what they wanted. They didn't want you to be like, oh, why is text selection weird in here? Which it kind of used to be a little bit. Uh, and now it's just better. And I appreciate that. Like, we're going to spend time on that detail. Not on some necessarily some big flashy thing, but just on getting the experience of using the app good. Thanks for the support, Notion. Well, yeah, it's evolved quite a bit. And even like in... um. Even in Lighthouse land, I don't know. Have you heard this uh, of the new property <laughs> of the new Lighthouse? Uh, what is it? It's called. I'm going to get it for you because it's got a weird name. Oh, man. Web. I'm going to the web.dev blog to find this. Okay, I found it. Over on the, the web.dev blog, there's a new metric for called INP. Okay, interaction. Oh, I, I have not heard to, of this. This is a new one of the new web core vitals. This is a new Webcore Vital, hot off the press. Uh, mm. Let me pop it into the show notes here for us. But it is a, um, yeah, it's the it's the like new, basically the new time to interactive or first input delay. It's the replacement for that because those ended up being like kind of like 
metrics you could cheat or metrics that like kind of weren't exactly oh, true. Deprecate some too. This is huge news. I don't know. Yeah. Hear this. So like first input delay basically was like, how long are we waiting? You know, but it, and it was like, like always good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was like spoofable, I guess would be the right thing. Right. Like, okay. you know, it, but interaction to next paint, which, you know, if I'm, uh, it measures the time it takes the web page to respond to user interactions from when the user starts to interact until the moment the next frame is painted on screen. So it's really like down to painting. Like, so if I click the search toggle, how long does it take for the search to show up? You know, like, or like how much, or when does the the browser have a frame to paint that search? Like how much, uh, how heavy is it? Like, or or maybe scroll is the interaction they're they're looking at there or something like that too, um, like time to scrollable or something like that. But uh, but it basically says like how how long have you blocked the main thread? How bad have you jammed up the main thread? So mm-hmm. um, so it's really pretty cool. So it's kind of replacing first input delay, um, and so okay. it's going to be kind of a. I think it's turning it or. From when I t- I talked to Paul Irish recently, but um, I think it's going to end up being kind of maybe one of the good ones, um, one of the ones you want to pay attention to, you know. Well, they're really dunking pick. on first input delay here. Huh? They, well, you guys, you love, invented it, so gee, <laughs> hey, what you, what, yeah, you're, you're it's uh, Spider Man pointing at Spider Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that guy did bad. You're that guy. Um, uh, but no, I, I think like first input delay just had some problems. So, um, but, but I found it very useful. No one else, like no other performance people were like, yeah, let's use that. But I always found it useful. Cause I just like, cause you're from the question you're asking is when can the user use it? You know, like, yeah, who cares if you, you can see a form, if you can't even click into the thing. Right. That's what matters. But this is a good point. Like, like this maybe gets more exact, like, okay, you, you can see it, but when can you, when does the browser have a paint cycle? Like when can the browser actually use it? So I think it's a, it's subtle, but it's, it's like not just measuring the render blocking is measuring like render blocking in the context of input. Like somebody has input, how choked up is the browser? So Okay, that's good news. I'm gonna read that in more detail. Yeah, so that's new, new, uh, new Core Web Vitals dropping. So <laughs> nice. I didn't think. I think that actually touches on a question we didn't we have like a, a while ago. Somebody was like, "Is uh, Core Web Vitals like gonna go away?" Or I think Swix wrote that in. Um, like, is Core Web Vitals going away? And you know, I, I, I think as long as it keeps iterating and. Coming up with new, new, um, or or trying to be a good yeah. reflection, I think it's great. So the, the nuance is people are a little weirded out by it because guess guess where this new metric comes from? Google. Guess who has the search product that everyone is really worried about doing well on? Google. Guess who says these metrics are related to how well you're going to do on that search engine? Google. Google has a lot of control over all this. You know, why were people pissed off about AMP? Because Google controlled it. You know, it was one of those things that there's too many characters. Those people turned out to be correct. Just FYI. 
Yes. <laughs> and so there's, and there was, you know, there, there was, remember some kind of like amp steering committee, which ended up just being a joke. I mean, I hate to say it, but like they didn't have any influence. Nobody, they just, it just existed. And then people talked and then nothing happened. You know, it just was useless. There is no steering committee or whatever, as far as I know, for web core vitals. You know, there's no governance mm-hmm. model. It's not open source. It's not, you know. It's not, none of those things. So, like, the fact that it's so tied to also to SEO, we're just hearing less uproar about it because it's, like, kind of a good idea. You know, it's like measuring mm-hmm. actual good performance concepts that everybody can agree on. And it's not, it's not mandating any particular framework or anything. It's like, do, do mm-hmm. whatever you want on the web. We're, but we're going to measure it in this way, and it is going to affect your SEO, at least to some minor degree. You know? I think, like, um, I had a post a long time ago, like, a, a standard system of measurements, you know, and just, like, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, my website's fast. It got a 99 on Lighthouse. But it's like, which Lighthouse? The mobile one with 4X slowdown or like the desktop one on your Google Fiber? You know, like, which, what speed did you get a 99 on, you know, on your MacBook? I'm finding out now my when I run tests on my MacBook versus like my DigitalOcean server, <laughs> very yeah. different. Because mm. the DigitalOcean server is like a mobile phone from 2010 and the my MacBook is like a MacBook from 2022. Like it's you know my this thing is a screen machine, and the it's like a two x delta between the two. So like, and and I doubt like Google Bot is running everything on a M1 MacBook. You know what I mean? So Google Google Bot's probably on some like pretty thin hardware measuring your your websites. You know so. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 very interesting to see, or just even kind of try to evaluate how much this stuff, you know, I don't know. I, I think we just need standard a standard measurement system, and then we all kind of corporately agree like this is going to be imperfect, but it is something we can kind of look at, you know, and and get an idea of what's going on, you know. And that's what I like about Lighthouse scores is they try to point you to problems, potential pro- loading problems. Right. It's not like if it was a hundred percent like SEO based or something, I might be like, this is not good, but like, it's very much like, Hey, you have a render blocking script. We can tell you that. So yeah, fix yeah. it or not, but you know, you'll, it'll be faster if you fix it, you know? So. Right. And it's starting to come down a little, you know, in the early days of these tools, I, f- I feel like used to used to suggest stuff that was that was like, how am I going to fix that? You know, even critical yeah. CSS feels like that a little bit. It's like it was always dinging you for that. And you're like, it, this is not a right. It got invented last week. And so yeah. <laughs> I, could, could it not be something I have to do today to get in Google? So, yeah. yeah. It was. I read the blog post two weeks ago. It's just not. It's not there yet. So Heck yeah. All right. Well, we got some. I was. You know. I was hoping to have some. Well, the point is, we've sent out a bunch of invites for interesting shows that Dave and I have planned. So that's not this week. It won't be next week either. But then we'll start a little series of that. Or at least yeah. you know, no promises because it's summer now. But we're 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 trying, and we have some some ideas. We yeah. got some folks, got some irons in the fire, um, and yeah, it should be good. And the doodles are out. <laughs> doodles are out. So, 
So thank you. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we do have to cut this off. And uh, yeah, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast or choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter, 16 tweets a month. Join us uh, over in the Discord, patreon.com slash shop talk show. And uh, some YouTubes, uh, oh, if you haven't watched them yet, over at youtube.com slash shop talk show. Be sure to like and subscribe. Smash that bell notification to get notified when we upload more videos. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> oh, I hope this recording works. I'm at 0% uploaded shoptalkshow.com. Ruh, <laughs>